Welcome to the Man of God Network. The Man of God Network is a ministry of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more recordings, go to sermonaudio.com and do a search at The Narrated Puritan. Good morning and welcome to the Man of God podcast. Many of you who know the story of John Bunyan may remember a response from John Owen to King Charles II about his estimate of John Bunyan as a preacher. When King Charles II heard that John Owen, the leading Puritan theologian of his day, and vice-chancellor of Oxford University, had been listening to John Bunyan preach, John Owen said to King Charles, May it please your majesty if I could possess that tinker's abilities to grip men's hearts. I would gladly give up all my learning. I only know one other time when John Owen mentioned what he would give up his learning for, and that was to have his health back. But you may not know the background story of the friendship between John Owen and John Bunyan. We want to look at that today as we read some accounts of their friendship. If you were to look up the title Pilgrim's Progress on Wikipedia, you would see a first edition scan of Pilgrim's Progress from 1678. But what you may not have noticed, if you look at the bottom, it says London, printed for Nathaniel Ponder at the Peacock and the Poultry near Cornhill. What's significant about that? Nathaniel Ponder was a personal publisher of John Owen. If it wasn't for John Owen, we would never have seen Pilgrim's Progress. So what's the story behind that? The following is a reading from the life of John Owen by Andrew Thompson. There was no sufferer in whose behalf John Owen exerted his influence more earnestly than John Bunyan. It is well known that as a preacher, Bunyan excited, wherever he went, an interest not surpassed even by the ministry of Richard Baxter. When he preached in barns or on commons, he gathered eager thousands around him. And when he came to London, 1,200 people would be found gathered together at seven on the dark morning of a winter working day to hear him expound the word of God. Among these admiring multitudes, John Owen had often been discovered. The most learned of the Puritans hung for hours that seemed like moments upon the lips of the sun-tutored genius. The king is reported to have asked Owen on one occasion how a learned man like him could go to hear a tinker prate, to which the great theologian answered, May it please your majesty, could I possess a tinker's abilities for preaching, I would willingly relinquish all my learning." For some years, John Bunyan's confinement in the prison of Bedford had, through the kindness of his good jailer, been attended with many mitigations, but towards the latter part of it, its severities had been greatly increased, and John Owen used every effort to engage the interest of his old friend and tutor, Dr. Barlow, for his release. Some of the details of this manner have been questioned by Southey, and its date is uncertain, but the leading facts seem above reasonable suspicion. 
and it is pleasing to know that after some perplexing delay, John Owen's interposition was successful in obtaining Bunyan's enlargement. During these checkered and anxious years, Owen's untiring pen had been as active as ever. In William Orme's biography of John Owen is the following. About this time, some correspondence took place between John Owen and his old tutor, Barlow, now advanced to the Episcopate, respecting John Bunyan. This excellent man, more celebrated than most of the persons who ever wore a mitre, had suffered long and grievously from imprisonment, by which the servant had been bound, but not the word of the Lord. During his confinement, he produced those works which have immortalized his name and diffused most extensively the knowledge of Christ. By the existing law, if any two persons went to the bishop of the diocese and offered a cautionary bond that the person would conform in half a year, the bishop might release him on bond. A friend of Bunyan requested Dr. Owen to give him a letter of introduction to the bishop on his behalf, which he readily granted. When the letter was delivered to Barlow, he told the bearer that, he had a particular regard for John Owen, and would deny him nothing he could legally do, and that he would be willing even to stretch a little to serve him. But this, he said, is a new thing. I must therefore take a little time to consider it, and if in my power, I will readily do it. Being waited upon about a fortnight for his answer, Barlow replied that he was informed he might do it, but as the law provided, in case the bishop refused, application should be made to the Lord Chancellor, who thereupon would issue an order to the bishop to take the bond and release the prisoner. Now, as it is a critical time, he said, and I have many enemies, I desire that you would move the Chancellor in the case, and upon his order I will do it. He was told this would be an expensive mode of proceeding, and that, as he could legally release him without this order, it was hoped that he would remember his promise to Dr. Owen, but he would consent on no other terms, which at length were complied with, and Bunyan was set at liberty. I give this anecdote as it occurs in Asti's Memoirs of Owen, although I find some difficulty in reconciling it with the chronology of the period. Bunyan was in prison in 1660, and is said to have been kept in durance about twelve years and a half. He must consequently have been released in 1673. But Barlow was not made a bishop till 1675. Whether Bunyan's first term of imprisonment was divided, or whether he was confined a second time after the first twelve years, I cannot ascertain, but this is the only mode of obviating the difficulty. End quote. Well, as a matter of fact... Bunyan was released for a while and ended up being put back into jail for a period of six months, but I continue. There must have been some foundation for the reported intervention of Owen and Bishop Barlow, as all the biographies of John Bunyan and John Owen take note of it. John Bunyan appears to have been a very popular preacher and must have had something very attractive in his address. In the middle of winter, he would sometimes have more than 1,200 hearers before 7 o'clock in the morning on a weekday. 
and when he visited the metropolis, one day's notice of his preaching would bring many more than the place of worship could contain. I do not know that anything of the same nature occurred again until the days of George Whitfield and John Wesley. Barlow's conduct in the affair of Bunyan did not altogether break up the intercourse between him and John Owen. In a Banner of Truth article, from May 5, 2015, by Dan Courtsip. The Puritan Odd Couple In the 1600s, a special relationship developed between John Owen and John Bunyan. Although they were both English Puritans, there were some striking differences between the two men, and yet they were good friends. You might call them the Puritan Odd Couple. Bunyan had little education. He spent time in the army and then worked as a tinker. A tinker was a person who mended household utensils. He learned his trade from his father. Bunyan was also known for simplicity in his preaching. John Owen was highly educated. He became Oliver Cromwell's chaplain. He was vice-chancellor of Oxford University and dean of Christ Church. John Owen tried his best to release John Bunyan from prison. He used all his political connections to help Bunyan, but none of his political connections made a difference. Bunyan remained in prison for a long time. I would imagine Satan and his company of demons rejoiced when they succeeded in placing Bunyan in prison. They finally silenced this simple but effective preacher. But Bunyan could not in the end be silenced. It was during his imprisonment that Bunyan wrote his famous book, the Pilgrim's Progress. Today, many scholars agree that Pilgrim's Progress is the second most influential book in the English world, second only to the King James Bible. It is not always easy for us to see what God is doing in our lives. The following is from a biography of John Bunyan by Robert Philip, 1839, entitled Bunyan's Release from Prison. If any bishop either procured or directly helped to obtain Bunyan's liberation, he deserves to be called the Angel of the Church of England, and ought to be named forever along with the angel who released Peter from prison. No man would more readily or cheerfully award this tribute of gratitude to Bishop Barlow than myself if I could make it even highly probable that Bunyan was indebted to him for liberty. Now, there are certainly some probabilities in Barlow's favor. No other bishop has ever been named, is at all friendly to Bunyan, or has been affected in the least by his sufferings, whereas there can be no doubt that he both sympathized with him and interchanged, not letters indeed, but messages with Dr. Owen about straining a point to serve, the author of The Pilgrim's Progress. The work had not failed to commend itself to such a scholar as Dr. Barlow, and as he was a Calvinist of Bunyan's order and thus obnoxious to Archbishop Sheldon, he would naturally prize a popular allegory which threw around the Genevan creed the charms of genius and practical wisdom. Accordingly, all testimony concurs in the fact that he both admired and pitied Bunyan. I give prominence as well as priority to this fact, that it may make its own impression and maintain its influence in favor of Dr. Barlow, whilst other facts claim our attention. Now, Bunyan was released from prison at least two years before Dr. Barlow was made Bishop of Lincoln, 
Thus, whatever he owed to the doctor, he owed nothing to the bishop and the mentor. Bunyan was released in late 1672 or early 1673, and Barlow was not raised to the bench until 1675. It does not follow from this, however, that he had no influence from with the state before he was made a prelate. The probability is, indeed, that he had more influence before than after, as Sheldon was not his friend, nor Calvinism a court virtue then. He was, however, too near the bench in 1672 to employ his own influence directly, even for Bunyan, although John Owen appealed to him as his old tutor, but he may have been used some, though not at Owen's request. This, I have no doubt, is the true solution of Barlow's conduct. He had enemies on the bench because of his Calvinism, and he was afraid of making more by patronizing even a nonconformist genius at the request of a nonconformist doctor. He thus persuaded himself that he could not afford to be liberal until the mitre was upon his head. Infamy's version of this affair is as follows. This event has been generally ascribed to Dr. Barlow, Bishop of Lincoln. What assistance he afforded may be seen by the following extract from the preface to Dr. Owen's sermon, page 30, printed at London in 1721. The author observes that, notwithstanding the doctor's nonconformity, he had some friends among the bishops, particularly Dr. Wilkins, Bishop of Chester, who was very cordial to him, and Dr. Barlow, Bishop of Lincoln, formerly his tutor, who yet on a special occasion failed him when he might have expected the service of his professed friendship. The case was this. John Bunyan had been confined to jail for twelve years upon an excommunication for nonconformity. A cautionary bond, it is said, was required which pledged the prisoner to conform in half a year. John Bunyan conform? Or allow his friends to give any such bond for him? Nay, verily, he would have lain till the moss grew upon his eyebrows, rather than accept of or accede to deliverance on any such terms. Twelve years of imprisonment had not shaken his principles, and his friends knew him too well to set their hearts against his conscience in this manner, even if their own consciences would have allowed them to sign such a bond. Neither bishop nor chancellor, to a certainty, ever saw or heard of a pledge for Bunyan's conformity. By whatever means John Bunyan came forth, therefore, he came forth in the character he went into the jail as a preacher of the everlasting gospel. His church also held a day of thanksgiving about this time for present liberty and soon built a chapel for him, plain proofs that he was under no bond whoever released him. And now the story of John Owen's influence on the publication of Pilgrim's Progress and his publisher Nathaniel Ponder. Ponder had suffered from a short imprisonment in the year 1676. John Bunyan was set free from his six months confinement in the Bedford jail, during which time he probably wrote most of the Pilgrim's Progress. The book at any rate was finished and ready for publication soon after. Nathaniel Ponder was asked by John Bunyan to be his publisher, and on December 22, 1677, Ponder, as is duly recorded, paid sixpence fee to the stationer's company to get the Pilgrim's Progress properly licensed 
ready for publication in February of 1678. Dr. Harrison discusses the question why Ponder was chosen by Bunyan now as his publisher, seeing that previously they had had no business relations. It seems certain that before this they must have been known to each other. Ponder had connection in several ways with Bunyan's native Bedford region, and he could not have missed knowledge of the conspicuous preacher and writer whose resolute nonconformity had brought him first twelve years imprisonment in the county jail, which stood in Bedford, where the cinema now stands at the corner of High Street and Silver Street, and again three years later, six months in the town jail, which stood at Bedford Bridge. Ponder must have known much of such a man, but it seems likely that John Owen, the Puritan divine already mentioned, was a means of bringing the two together for business purposes. Ponder had already published many religious works for Dr. Owen, who did what he could to encourage the young publisher in his early career. John Owen also had much to do with securing Bunyan's release from a second imprisonment. It is thus quite easy to see how Nathaniel Ponder and John Bunyan might become intimately acquainted through their common friendship with John Owen. However, it came about Ponder was chosen by Bunyan. That was from an article by Alfred Chamberlain at Intone.com. Now, the last thing I want to say in this podcast about the relationship with John Bunyan and John Owen is taken from a book called A Turbulent, Seditious, and Factious People, John Bunyan and His Church by Christopher Hill. Quote, John Owen often invited John Bunyan to preach to his congregation in Moorfields, which the Puritan aristocracy attended. John Owen himself preached in all plainness and simplicity. Hill also says in his book, the most likely single influence later in the life of John Bunyan is his friend John Owen. Hill also says about John Bunyan, which I didn't know before, I did know about John Owen, played a flute, probably made from the leg of a wooden chair. Well, thank you for tuning into this podcast. We hope you found it interesting. This is a narrated Puritan. Further works can be found at sermonaudio.com. Search on the narrated Puritan.